Hello, 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 and welcome to There's This Thing at Work, the podcast where we delve into the workplace issues that are usually swept under the carpet. We're here so you can stop listening to your friends, partners, and parents telling you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. Tough situations need honest and direct answers, and in There's This Thing at Work, our panel of people experts are going to find them. Welcome back, listeners, to There's This Thing at Work. My name is Rajiv Day, and I'm your host for today, tackling the juicy topic of internal promotions. Before we get stuck in, let's do a quick round of introductions. Now, as you introduce yourself, what I'd love to hear from each of you is what's the longest period of time you've been in a particular role at your company? So let's kick off with April. Hi, my name is April Osei-Williams, and I'm founder of Candid HR. Um, The longest time I've been with the company is seven and a half years. Wow, that's impressive. And within that time, were you, like, did you have many different roles? Um, Yes, I started off as a junior strategist and worked my way up to head of people within that company. Um, I guess if the company hadn't gone bust, I probably still would be there. (laughs) And amazing. Great. Well, thanks so much, April. Uh, over to you, Shah. Hello, everyone. Uh, Shah Hamill here. I'm COO, a partner of uh, social media agency Born Social. Um, I'm coming up to nine years at Born Social, which is it is a long time. And I think the longest I've been in a specific role is the role I'm in now. And I can't remember the exact date, but I think it was around 2000. 15 that we kind of changed our titles to this so I'm going to go with five to six years um and caveat it with the role itself has changed every year it's the job title that stayed the same (laughs) amazing thanks Shah over to you Tom yeah hi everyone I'm Tom Frayne I'm the chief people officer at Bulb uh April like you the longest time I've ever been at a single company is seven and a half years I was at Innocent Drinks for seven and a half years uh although I did cheekily take a sabbatical for a year in the middle of that. So I don't know if that officially counts. Um, And there were three years um, between 2009, through 2009 and 2011, where I was basically an HR business partner. Um, I kind of got a bit more senior through that time, um, became a bit more independent, dealt with some different client groups, but was broadly doing a version of the same job. Awesome. And I'm Rajiv Day, founder and CEO of Learnably. Bit of a tricky one for me. Obviously, I start my own company, so I'm kind of stuck with it, so to speak. Um, it was at my, I, I got a notification. It was 12 years since I registered my limited company uh, yesterday. Um, but within oh. that, that, it's been the same company. So it was internships previously, a jobs platform, and, and about five, six years ago, shifted focus to Learnably. So yeah, pretty long time. It's pretty interesting. So we've all had quite long stints and tenures and very relevant for the question that was submitted uh, by our listener, which is that internal promotions keep being pushed back and some of our team are starting to look outside. How can we change this? So we've obviously shared our own experiences of staying in a particular role in company. And whilst I was preparing for this podcast, I was just doing some research and came across a really interesting stat which is that whilst only 12% of workers over 55 expect a pay rise or promotion every year, roughly half of workers between 18 and 34 
was actually 49%. And then between 35 and 54, just 55% expected this. So they expect every year to receive some kind of pay rise promotion. So this clearly poses quite a challenge for people in people functions and, and business leaders, hence our discussion today. So lots to really get stuck into. Mm. So why don't we kind of kick off um, what does promotion actually mean to each of us? Does it, is it about more salary? Is it about job title? And how do you each uh, approach this in your respective companies? For me personally, a promotion uh, is responsibility-based. Um, and I think that's the way that I've viewed my, my role at Born Social. As I've just said, now I've been a COO for, for five or six years. But the job that I've done, because the business has evolved... My responsibility has grown every single every single year, but I think what I find difficult, and I talk to people a lot about this. I'm literally uh, this weekend was talking to my brother about it, um, who is a little bit younger than me, very ambitious and wanting that next promotion, and he absolutely sees it as a job title change. He doesn't even see salary increases as a promotion. He wants the job title, and I think if that's if that's where we're at, that's a really tough place to be because then you get into the game of just changing job titles for the sake of it and it all loses all meaning so it's a really it's a really tricky one and, and and a very emotive topic and, and how do you address this at the moment Shah at Bourne do you have some kind of process around this yeah I mean we speak about progression a lot um sometimes I think it's too much but then I'm actually like I think teams think about their own progression well clearly they do a lot so it's better that it's spoken about than, than not. So it's a, it's an ongoing dialogue. Um, but I think the reason for that is we've kind of got two structures in place that I think support and nurture it. Uh, firstly, we've got quite a clear progression structure that we kind of, we refer to as a progression pathway. Um, and so every single role in the business has five levels to it. So each year you get a, what well, you get two performance reviews a year. Um, the second one being a salary and level review. Um, and then I guess you get that sense of progression as you as you develop through the role responsibilities. You can climb the levels, and then once you're at level five, the next level is often a senior title or or a or a new role within the business. So we've got quite a clear structure in that capacity, which I think really helps people, I guess, set their progression goals. Um, but then importantly, to come with that is the, I guess, contact and communication structure that they have with line managers for want of a better word can we call them team leads um and i think that facilitates on a well you've got your performance reviews as i've mentioned on a six monthly basis um which is a more in-depth review um then on a monthly basis you've kind of got those check-ins where you're discussing just general learning and development and kind of happiness in the business and in your career and that kind of is linked to your progression often as well and then on a weekly basis you've got kind of a half an hour one-on-one where you can still check in on the things that you're doing towards your development that week as well as your kind of general to-do list so I think it's those two structures that actually I get I think um creates quite a healthy dialogue at Bourne but it is talked about a lot and it does take um I think good management and leadership for our people leaders to navigate those conversations well so that you're not um I guess pouring gas on a fire and getting people too hyped up and ready for that promotion that you know that, that fundamentally will be awarded on uh, whether they are meeting that level of expectation in terms of performance so you know it's it, it's not easy and, and and we put a lot of time and thought into it 
Brilliant. And how about you, Tom? What, what's the situation at, at Bulb? Yeah, so I, I think I would agree with Shah that promotions are about taking on more responsibility. Uh, they often come with a higher salary and they reflect that you are making a bigger impact for the company. Usually you either become more, more senior, so you have a bigger network effect, or you're becoming more expert, which means you can make a greater contribution. Um, and the way we look at this at Bulb is we actually review people's levels quarterly. Um, so we have um, quite regular kind of progression conversations. Uh, and I think that, like, I absolutely recognize, Shah, what you said about the frequency that people are thinking about this and want to talk about this. We have a really fast-moving business as well, and that helps us be responsive to that. Um, we, we do something different that I think is interesting, in that we benchmark our salaries once a year, and our promotion... Um, we have very clear levels for each job that are associated with a clear level of pay that is benchmarked. And so once a year, we'll look at the benchmarks and we'll move people's pay if the benchmark has moved because we want to keep their pay market competitive. So sometimes your, che- your pay will change without you getting a promotion or your responsibility changing because the market has actually moved. Um, and so hopefully what that, what that should mean is if there are people who stay in the same role for a period of time, Um, they do continue to see some salary progression when the market moves um, to reflect, like, yeah, to reflect the competitive nature of of the industry. Fascinating, Tom. I I really think that's very good, Tom, because um, for some people, having that conversation about salary can be difficult. And this is the piece that I tend to work on with my clients, is that equity piece. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you're somebody where... um, having that conversation can be difficult, you are, you almost kind of lose out on that promotion. And what that means is in terms of the market, you probably won't be paid at the market rate. So, you know, that gender pay gap or that pay gap for, for you in your role gets bigger every time you move on to a different different organisation. Because the first question organisation will probably ask is, um, what is your current salary? Or what is your expected salary? So if you're somebody who doesn't have that confidence to have that conversation with your current employers, you know, you're putting yourself at the back burner. So I think that's a really good approach there. And out of curiosity for Shah and, and Tom, when, at what stage did you introduce this level of kind of structure? What, what size was the, was the business that you, you started putting these in place? Good question. Um, we've, we've had our communication framework in place from literally what I think like week one like very early um but the salary structure I think we bought in around five years ago five six years ago um and it felt complicated at first like we've always had we've always had um a slight level to salaries but we didn't label it with the actual levels so we bought that in to um create more of a sense of progression but also to kind of to speak to april's point it makes the salary review system much much fairer and relies well doesn't rely at all on people having the confidence to raise salary and start that conversation them, themselves um so that's been like very a very useful tool and i honestly don't think there, there's a too early a point to introduce that I would really, I really encourage every business to try and have something like that in place. I would agree with you, Shah. There's, there's no, um, there's no right time. It is 
difficult, I think, to build these pathways when you have really small populations. So we have some teams that have three or four people in them or some like specialisms that have a very small number of people. And there it's really hard to build out a good pathway because you, you just don't have lots of great points of reference. But I think once a team gets to, like the teams of some of the teams that, that I lead that are 10 to 15 people across different levels, um, by then you should be able to set out a really, a really good pathway for that, for that team. Um, and I think yeah, we, did, we did it quite early in our customer service team, which, is, um, our, which was our largest population, and wait, waited a little too long to do it in some of our other populations like engineering. And if you work with engineers or technology people, they have really high expectations about how clearly their paths are going to be mapped out, how um, success is going to be, um, how success and development is going to be assessed. And so I think we were a bit slow on that. Fascinated you about this dynamic kind of benchmarking aspect, Tom. I just want to delve a bit deeper. So how do you actually provide for that? How do you do your planning or budgeting when, when you don't really know what the benchmarks are going to come out with? So we benchmark, we try and benchmark around the time we're setting our annual budgets. And so that means we can incorporate the market movements into the budgets themselves. So if you do it once a year, you can kind of time it at a, mm. at a good point along with your budgeting cycle. But you're totally right. It's... Um, is something you're not entirely in control of. And if the market has just moved for one particular set of roles, then your, your payroll budget could be materially different in the next year in that area. The thing is, if you don't change, then you're going to start losing talent to the outside market. And so as a, as a people person, it is really important, I think, to be responsive to this data. It's almost being proactive than reactive, right? So if you're taking that approach and, and the team understand that that's what's happening on an annual basis or biannual basis, you're almost setting the parameters for those discussions to be had. And then you're able to be in a position where you're educating kind of the team in terms of how they can have that conversation. And that it's not just, you know, if you feel that your responsibilities have increased, you can now go to your line manager and say, let's have a discussion about my pay. But you know that, you know, there is a process in place and there's a system in place and your manager will open that conversation up to, to be had. Um, so I think, yeah, that approach is... And this is why things like gender pay gaps exist, right? Because people's salary change, people's salaries change based on when they influence them. It's a judgment call that sometimes historically probably been made predominantly by white men who have particular perceptions on what success looks like and all sorts of unconscious biases. And so the more structured your process and the more considered you are when you're making these decisions, the better you're able to manage bias. I do worry, just to close that point, that um, you end up building bias in somewhere else. (laughs) So if your progression frameworks are just being written by a leadership team that in itself is not enormously diverse, then I think the bias just like, the, there's the risk of the bias creeping in somewhere else. And so you have to be really thoughtful about, about that. But um, but it does help. Yeah. And I mean, bias can is, is everywhere, right? But it's how do you uh, mitigate a high level of bias? So when you talk about um, leadership team coming together and building a, a framework, bias can come into play in terms of criteria are the expectations um, realistic for your team? And if the, the expectations are not realistic for your team, how do you manage that? And how do you ensure that everyone within your business, um, whether it be someone that wants to take on more responsibilities or wants to move up a, a management level, that is all encompassed in, in that framework? And 
for me, when I speak to my clients, I always talk about um, the pathways being kind of two. So you have people that want to become specialists within their roles, but not necessarily want to take on line management responsibilities. So some frameworks are built as, okay, if you want more more money, um, you have to move to this level, which is management. And within management, you are required to manage a team. You're setting that person up for failure because now they're at a point where it's like, I want that management title and I also want that salary. But with that, the negotiation is I have to take on management responsibilities. I don't think I'm a good manager, but for my career progression, I need to take that on board. If they're managing a team and don't feel that they they have the skill sets or there's no desire to, to manage a team, then you've set that person up for failure and the team up for failure and how their role is measured. Again, there's biases playing in there. So biases throughout everything. But for people leaders, I think our role is to sit on, on that leadership board and almost be the devil's advocate and say, right, okay, if we're putting this in place, how does this work for the team? And and how do we ensure we're building equity um, within our processes? I think that whole individual contributor versus manager fork is a really is a really important point. I wonder how whether Tom or Shah, have you got any thoughts on this uh, and how you go about tackling this? Yeah, we actually borrowed a um, a framework from a tech startup because again, this is a very uh, common challenge within um, roles that have all companies that have development and very technical technical roles um so we have a two-track system um that starts everyone enters at kind of a delivery level um but then the next level up our senior role you can either be a team senior or a technical senior and technical seniors they still take on um, responsibility beyond just delivering at technically high level but they will technically lead on things like process changes um and ways to make that role function better rather than individual people leadership responsibilities. And sometimes I'm like, oh, when I have to try to explain that to new starters, it feels a bit convoluted. But in the grand scheme of things, I really think it's right to be able to create uh, and to label that there is a pathway for you if you don't want to be a people leader, because we take culture and people leadership very seriously. So the people that want that take on that role, they absolutely know that they are taking on a pastoral and a development responsibility for all the people that they are responsible for. Um, so it, it works. It works well for us. Amazing. So just moving on to the you know, second aspect, if we look back at the question uh, the listeners saying that, you know, internal promotions are keeping pushed back. So that's kind of indicating to me that something's going on with the business and maybe they're not able to kind of offer these kind of promotions. So uh, I suppose it'd be different if, if it was a case that people were being, the opportunities were there and people were being hired externally versus the organisation not necessarily growing or being financially able to afford these salary raises. So we know that there's going to be times where companies simply cannot promote people, whether it be through kind of giving them that raise that they want. What else can businesses actually do to give people that similar sense of progression, would you say? For me, I say the lateral moves. And I think my career is is a prime example of that. Um, I guess my career up until I think 2010 was definitely what they call a squiggly career because we were working in such a small team that, I mean, I could move up in terms of job title and salary. That was great. But 
nothing was really changing in my day-to-day delivery. So that was the opportunity for me at that time to speak with my line manager. And we came up with, okay, so where do you see your your career actually going? What are the skill sets that you want to learn and and, um, improve on? So it became a lateral move versus going up. Um, It wasn't a case of taking on more responsibility, but it was about exposure to a different part of the business and having the opportunity to be part of certain projects um, that gave me that exposure to learn different different things. So I had opportunity to work um, with the sales team to understand the whole negotiation pieces around um, getting clients signed up and stuff like that. And that's definitely helped me um, now that I'm a founder of a business, right? But if I didn't have that opportunity back then, I don't think I would have been able to to pick on, on, on that right now. So as much as, you know, salary increases are, are great, um, it's more about that learning and development piece. What can, what is there to offer? What more is there to offer? Um, and it works both ways because you're helping that employee actually gain new skills or exposure to different projects that makes them more adaptable and from a business perspective you have other people that you can pull into different projects as and when you you need to um so i think lateral moves are are another part of uh promotions than just going up and go sideways building on that april um at innocent where i used to work they developed a really good approach to this um and the semantics are really important so we talk loads about career paths, career tracks, career ladders. They're all very linear. It's all very much like a straight line that leads from one point to another. Um, and something Innocent noticed was they were having to hire lots of their senior commercial leaders externally. Uh, and the reason they were having to do that was because all the people in the commercial organization internally and the marketing organization and the planning organization, which were connected were all developing in a really linear way, like straight up within their organization as quickly as they could. And the people they needed to lead those functions needed to have breadth. They needed to have experienced some of these other areas. And so Innocent changed around how it talked about its development, started talking about career climbing walls as opposed to ladders. And the idea of a climbing wall is you kind of, sometimes the best way up is to like go back down a little bit or go around to the side and solve the, solve the problem differently. And they invested loads of time in helping people think about where they were going and think about what breadth they would need in order to get there rather than just looking at the next step on what might appear to be a ladder. Um, I think it's it's a great model and it's particularly when you think about, um, you know, this expectation for people that their pay is going to change all the time and they're going to get a promotion every year. Um, that can actually lead to a really unbalanced profile um, and lead to you being less successful later on. Yeah, that's a great, a great, use of terminology <clears throat> the power of language is is mad isn't it um i mean yeah firstly i know it's, it doesn't like i guess address the question directly but um i i i think i guess hyping up homegrown uh talent is is really important i, I think people internally do need to, to believe that the company does prioritize looking internally first so really trying to do what you can to build that culture I think totally agree, Raj, in this scenario, it sounds like no promotions or kind of hiring is is going on. Um, but, you know, coming back to, I think, responsibility, I think is really important, whether it's kind of sharing information to a higher level than you've shared before or 
I always really like referring to Hertzberg's motivational theory, which actually, you know, salary is like a hygiene factor. The stuff that really gets people motivated is things like ownership and involvement and recognition. And so, you know, thinking about what you can do, whether it's internal company awards on a monthly or quarterly basis, you know, how are you celebrating successes within the business and calling out people's uh, contribution in different ways. So if you can't be giving promotions now, you have to really dial up that other stuff to make sure people are getting all the feel good motivational factors in their day to day if they're not getting the, the job title changes and the pay increases. I love that idea. Absolutely. Kind of recognising contribution and and that broader range of responsibilities. Uh, April, are there anything else that you would, uh, any other ideas, anything else you would add? Yeah, I guess the question, what it sounds like is that there's not a clear comms there. So someone's probably asking for uh, a promotion or a salary uh, increase conversation and the feedback loop doesn't seem to be happening there. So for me, you know, as an employer, making sure that if you're having these conversations, you're feeding back at a timely manner and you're, you know, explaining. You don't have to give an in-depth kind of, you know, all the figures and etc. But having that feedback loop very clearly and it's not lagged is really important because that's where the trust comes into play. Because if again with Shah's example if you've taken a long time to get back to somebody and then you're talking about recognition and rewards it almost feels like well that's something that you're almost bringing into play to cover up the fact that I'm not getting a promotion or I'm not getting a salary increase but rather Mm -hmm. if it's more of a proactive thing saying right okay um the budget's not there for salary increases this year what are we going to do as a company and sharing that out in a timely manner? So when these conversations come up and you're pushing back on on a salary increase as an employer, it's not like a you've put a dummy and said, hush, hush, you know, this is what we're going to do to cover it. But it's actually, this is something that we've outlined as an organisation that we're doing already. And hopefully that, that would help that balance and give an understanding as to why um, the salary's essentially being pushed back almost. It's sometimes a sign. So if this conversation is promotions are getting pushed back in the sense that somebody believes they should be getting promoted and then it doesn't somehow get signed off, um, then that's often a sign that the process isn't working and potentially that managers are over-promising or not having like, tough conversations with their team. Because it's really easy to say, oh yeah, I think it sounds like you should probably get promoted. And then... Uh, say that the senior leadership team has like has blocked that promotion it's a way of like mm. managers being able to continue to be the to be the good guy uh while um while sort of like fueling a bit of frustration with the leadership team and that's often a sign either that managers aren't confident enough to have the right conversations or the processes aren't yeah. in place for those decisions to get made in the right way Absolutely. I think that transparency is so, so important. And, you know, just owning the fact, as you say, April, that if, if it's not possible, why is it not possible? And is there a time frame within which this may become possible? Is there some kind of external fundraising milestone or some kind of company target that people need to reach all together? It can be, a, a, I suppose, a rallying call that, look, times are tough right now, but actually we can all get there if we all just, you know, do X, Y, Z. So that's a really, really important um point april so just now going back to the question 
there's a kind of inherent assumption that actually, if people are starting to look outside, that that's a bad thing. So what are your thoughts on this? Like, should we be trying to retain people at all costs? Or actually, is it healthy for people to start looking elsewhere? Should I kick start? I think my, my opinion is quite controversial. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost, and I've been, a, I've been that people leader, where um, you have an employee that wants a pay rise and they're quite emotional about it. And there's a there's a threat and there's a threat there to say, well, if I don't get this promotion, then I'm leaving. And it's almost calling someone's bluff and saying, okay, well, it's more about, are you, do you feel that you're part of our mission and our vision? Do you feel that your role's playing a part in, in what we're trying to achieve here as a business? And if at this moment you don't feel comfortable, whether it be personal reasons, et cetera, as long as I, I am sure and confident that the process that we have in place and the offering that we have is um, suitable for everyone within the business and there's equity there if it's a personal decision then I'm happy for that person to 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 move on from the organization but um, part ways on good terms and saying you know go off you know explore what you want to explore because at the end of the day if it's finances that is is uh, uh, a decision for you then I can't stop you. Please go on. But I guess from there, before I make that decision to say, okay, that's fine, let's part ways, I have to make sure that the processes that we have in place is not um, discriminated against that person and that there was equity in there for, for everyone in the business. And if if I'm confident that that is the case, then see you later. Um, I hope to see you again. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't have put it better, April. Yeah, I think that's is that's a great great way of putting it. I you know I think you have to accept that you want people in your business that really want to be in your business, and um, if their reasons are that their whether it's career trajectory has changed or they're looking for something you can't offer them, then I think you're going to have to accept that there will be times where people do move on from your business, and that's not a bad thing. You get the opportunity to either whether it's promote someone else internally or inject someone else who is really sure that that role is is right for for them because they're choosing to join it right now so you know churn i think is natural and is and is in a, to an extent to a certain extent is healthy um we kind of try and we kind of usually earmark a 10% churn as a as a level that we're comfortable with and if it goes above that we very much look at um you know who's leaving and why yeah and that's also important is look at look at and, and evaluate the reasons why people are leaving because and that's why exit interviews is also very important because the reason you get in the initial resignation might be different to the letter you get the, the conversation you have on their on their last day. Um, so pick up pick apart that data. But yeah, it's okay. It's okay for people to to leave. Like it really is, um, as long as they're for the right reasons. I yeah, I, I guess I agree with both of you guys. I'll, I had a, a slightly different perspective in that like if if the majority of your team feel like they can't progress because your promotion system is not transparent or not fair or not working for them then that is clearly a problem that you need to address and that like you know if, if by this comment some of our team are starting to look outside that's like lots of the team because of the promotions process then that's a problem but exactly if some people are looking outside that is just an ongoing reality of um of employing people in a competitive talent market and it's it's also it is also okay there'll be some people who reach their potential at your company. Um, and exactly as both April and Charles said, if people are more motivated by 
getting more pay elsewhere, they're probably not right for your mission long term and you can part as friends. Um, and that's all good. Great. Well, I think that's really uh, important for us to remember that you know, churn is not necessarily a bad thing. There are people that come join you at certain times of your journey. And as you said, April, uh, as long as you've, you've been kind of open about it, uh, then you've done all you can. And sometimes it is inevitable. Any other kind of final thoughts for our listeners on this topic? Anything that you feel like, oh, just want to share. I wish I shared this bit of wisdom with our listeners. Only that it's okay if you're finding it hard to manage this, because I actually think it's it's a part of every business that weirdly doesn't get talked about that much. And it's it is really hard to to retain good talent and offer everyone all the development opportunities that they that they want. So yeah, don't think you you should find it easy. <laughs> and I guess my point on on this and following on from what Shah said is that you're not going to please everybody. There's always going to be one person that's not going to be happy with with a process that you've put in place, and, and that's fine. I guess understanding that with this kind of process, having a, a review point on a regular basis will help ensure that one, you are meeting that market rate and you're not falling far behind, and two, that as your company grows and it's adapting, that your processes are adapting and evolving with you on your journey. Thanks, guys. I was thinking as there, there was. A sort of experience that popped into my head as we were talking about promotions. I was thinking from a manager's perspective, every now and then you will be taken by surprise that a promotion has suddenly become really important for someone. And it will have been important like last month and you may not have known about it um, either because something has changed for them or maybe you've not been having those conversations as proactively as a manager. And the way that I've seen the best managers handle that, because um, you can immediately go into problem solving mode and be like, oh my God, I've got to try and sort this out. Um, the best thing I think you can do is to really try and understand what has changed for that person, why it's changed, why this is suddenly so important, um, and then help walk them through the, the steps that you need to follow in order to get them to a place where like what they want and what, um, and what the organization can offer are, are aligned. So there are ways that you can solve that problem um, by having a sort of thoughtful and structured conversation. Um, but it's always a slightly unsettling experience as a manager when that conversation happens awesome well i know that i've learned a hell of a lot from listening to all of you uh, on this topic that it is a meaty topic it's a difficult one uh so trying to summarize uh, some of the things that i've heard so we know that you know people's expectations are quite uh high uh when it comes to having these conversations on a regular cadence or on a kind of an annual basis uh it's helpful if you have some level of progression kind of framework or career climbing wall as, as tom rightly put it um, benchmarking yourself regularly uh, against the industry and doing regular developmental check-ins is, is, is important, but also ensuring that your people have the confidence to speak up because having these salary conversations can be tricky. So are you training and supporting people to, to be open? Because if you're not, you know, it can be too late. And sometimes uh, people might be thinking uh, of, of that they, they do a, a salary increase or a pr- promotion, but just don't feel confident to say something and therefore leave, leave the business also important to recognize the difference between an individual contributor versus someone who wants to go down a manager path, giving people the opportunities to progress and flourish in both tracks and not is not necessarily one's better than the other. 
And recognizing that moves and progression can be laterally. So giving people additional exposure, uh, giving them additional responsibility, if you can't necessarily always give them the salary increase, may just be uh, good enough for, for, for people. But ensuring that you uh, are open and, and, and honest about the situation that you're at, make sure that your managers are well-equipped to have those conversations. And that if a promotion or a salary increase is not uh, available right now, what time frame might it be available in the near future? So lots of words of advice from our fantastic panelists. And unfortunately, that is all we have time for today. I would like to say a massive thank you to April, to Shah and to Tom for being great panelists. Of course, a big thank you to Mel and Ben, our expert producers behind the scenes. And thank you most of all for listening in, getting involved. We love hearing from you. So if you've got any questions you want answered, just reach out to any of us. And if you've enjoyed this episode and feeling generous, please do leave us a review and tell all your friends to tune in. I've been Rajiv Day, your host, and this has been There's This Thing at Work. Thank you.